Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Here's Nylander in the Oilers' own sharp angle. Shot, he scores! Here's Seabrook, great circle, fires, he scores! Oh, it's leveled by Andrew Shaw with a thunderous check. Here's a loose puck in front, they score! It's on! Shoot, he scores! The cat connects with a one-timer. It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Keith will move it ahead to Shaw. To Doc over the Sabre line down the left. He scores! Herbie Doc! Here's Doc with the back and he scores! Herbie Doc! The first two-goal night of Kirby Doc's career. Chris Bowden breaks down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. Each game I'm getting better and pushing myself to strive to be better. That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden. Hi, everyone, and happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to the United Center as we record after the Blackhawks 3-0 victory over the Dallas Stars, cooling off that red-hot team from the Lone Star State and snapping their seven-game winning streak while getting the Blackhawks back in the win column Tuesday night at the United Center. Before we proceed, Blackhawks Crazy Podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy, spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com. FanList part Partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and list tickets for sale across all marketplaces, all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, GameTime, and many more. And they do all the work. Multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure, causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus, FanList is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free. When tickets sell, FanList charges the industry standard 15% of the final sale price. It's the same rate that all those major marketplaces charge. There are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. Go to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy to receive a $20 bonus on your first sale. F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com slash BlackhawksCrazy. Okay, before we proceed with the doings of what happened to the Blackhawks on Tuesday night here at the United Center, it is time for the big reveal. Scott King, as you heard on our last uh, podcast, was on his way to NBC Sports Chicago. He couldn't reveal at the time. He has since announced that that is the case. He will continue on the hockey beat uh, for them during Blackhawks season. But we are happy and pleased to announce that Scott will be replaced. Oh, yes, he will be replaced by the one and only Joe Brand, who has uh, been working in Blackhawks locker room here for a couple of seasons Joe, welcome aboard the podcast. I'm really happy to have you uh, along. And uh, in the words of in the words of Pat Hughes, Joe, tell us a little bit about Joe Brand. Well, hopefully, right now isn't when people are thinking who, <laughs> who, who. Not at all. He's her, uh, well. You you tell us when you heard on GN all the other stuff uh, you do radio wise and TV wise uh, here in the Chicago area. Yeah, well, I've been with WGN since 2013. Started as an intern, moved to be a producer, and then eventually started reporting some Blackhawks games. And uh, just recently, as two years ago, uh, started getting thrown in on air, doing Saturday morning sports updates for the Lou Manfredini uh, House Marts radio show, and then helping out John Williams, too, after that. Uh, those are a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun to uh, be on the air with. Uh, Spent a lot of time with Judd covering the Blackhawks here for the past couple of years, and then obviously it's a blast working with you now the past couple of years as well. Uh, Also do a lot of play-by-play. I'm I'm in Kane County every summer. I've been there for six years doing play-by-play for the Kane County Cougars, a minor league baseball team. I do some UIC play-by-play, some some high school and other collegiate uh, areas too, and uh, yeah, I've been having a blast the past six years or so, and uh, just just really happy to be a part of this now. I guess I could put a podcast in my resume now. Yeah, skin's on the wall. Skin's on the wall. Uh, you're a young up-and-comer. I'm glad to, to uh, give you the opportunity, such as it is. I'm not sure what uh, how much this opportunity compares to some of the other stuff you're doing. And most importantly, in my eyes, Southside Boy. 
Southside boy. That's right? right. That's right. Oak Lawn went to Marist High School. M A R I S T. Go Redhawks. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. Stick to my roots on the South Side. I'm uh, happy to hear that. And 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 one other one other bit, ladies, ladies. He's he's not going to be available, right? You got some nuptials coming up. Today. That's true. That's right around the corner. Fourth uh, of January will be will be the big day. Boom. We we move right into your personal life exposed on your first uh, Blackhawks Crazy podcast. But great to have you along. And I just want to start out by you know uh, you're. You're no rookie to this beat by any means, and you know maybe during post game shows we can we can get you on a little bit more frequently. But you've been around this team for a while, and it's been kind of different here the last couple of years than what a lot of Blackhawks fans. And I'm sure the Blackhawks organization itself is used to. Um, I guess encompassing even you know the, the scope of Tuesday night's game against Dallas, where it shows some of the capabilities of this team which has been up and down. Uh, give me some of your impressions on, on where this team is at right now and, and what what you believe the, the potential might be. Yeah, when you prefaced this question before we started... Um, You're not supposed to tell people. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not supposed to pull back the curtain at all. Um, I, I really look at this team over the past 10 games. Uh, it seemed like there there was a change offensively in that game against Vancouver when, when the Hawks won 5-2. to two. And since then... You're starting to see more of an identity with this offense. They're a lot more aggressive. Uh, the defense is, is hanging up in the high slot a lot and making sure not to be too aggressive uh, and coughing up mistakes. They play a lot of good, quick teams that can really capitalize in transition like Dallas today. And it seems like the Hawks are now really doing a good job of preventing that and not being on their toes every time the other team is is creating a rush on the other side. So I, I think with that happening and a lot more consistency with the second line of Alex Dabrinka, Dylan Strom, and Patrick Kane, that's helping create a lot more chemistry with this team. So hopefully these past 10 games aren't just a small sample size. Hopefully it's a sign of what's more to come with this team because you look at these last two games against Dallas, I mean, they, they earned three points, and it's very arguable that they could have gotten all four. So there's no reason to think that this team can't stay this consistent moving forward. Yeah, and obviously everybody knows they're worst in the league in shots against. That's something they have to work on. They've made... Those, the improvements in terms of the final numbers of what you're looking for compared to a year ago in goals against when they ranked 30th heading into this game against Dallas they they were 11th and that number will go down in goals against average it's just that these unknowns that just seem to pop up every once once in a while with teams battling consistency or inconsistency during that hot run offensively when they opened things up 28 goals over six games now over the last four including Tuesday night's win they have just eight so there there are these head scratching just when you think you have them figured out you know then there's these other things that come up and among those eight of course is the empty netter by by Connor Murphy tonight again you you can you can see the potential but the biggest backbone of this team, the biggest strength, as we deal with the unknowns of, okay, how many shots are they going to give up? Is the offense going to come through enough? Are those two guys in the blue paint and, and Corey Crawford remain just spectacular? Um, it, it's an interesting tug of war to watch these guys, even though they you know, they probably don't think it within that room. But in a sense, it is a, a friendly competition, and both of them are playing at such a high level right now. What a very interesting relationship that's developing with these two guys. Uh, Robin Leonard is is God's gift if you're talking about the media side of things. I almost feel like he's the incarnation of Joe Madden leaving the Chicago scene. And now now we get the media quotes of Robin Leonard, who almost seems to have the most interesting thing to say uh, in all of hockey, if not in all of sports. But yeah, I mean, the fact that they're just both so elite this year makes everything so much more interesting. Today, when, when I asked Corey Crawford... You know, I, I wanted him to answer why he's doing so well despite not getting consistent starts. Because if you ask him, that's what he'd like. And obviously that's what every goaltender would like is is to get into a rhythm and, and know when you're going to start. But but right now it's just working so well with both these guys. It's it's an easy but yet hard decision for Jeremy Colleton because I'm sure he doesn't like bouncing his two goaltenders back and forth, but it, it just still keeps working. And, you know, when I asked that question to Corey Crawford, I, I think he wanted me 
I think he wanted me to have him to say, I want to play more. But really, I just want to know, why are you able to be so consistent when you're not playing consistently? And all he had to say was good things about Robin Leonard. And it seems like their relationship is competitive, like you said. But it's it's one of those competitive natures where I just want to one up you. I want to up you because one up you because you're my teammate. And there's no there's no malice to it. They're just two guys that are playing some really good hockey in between the pipes right now. Yeah, and uh, th- that's certainly the case right now. And um, we will hear from Robin Leonard a little bit later on about uh, his thoughts on the shootout because that's really the only weakness in his game. He admits to it. And he had a long back and forth of the media that we played on Tuesday's postgame show that we're going to share on this podcast as well from after Monday afternoon's practice, stemming from a tweet that he sent out on Sunday night. But, uh, yeah, these two goaltenders in terms of one-two punches, Dallas has a great one. Arizona does as well. The Islanders uh, have managed to do that even though Robin has left. A couple of other teams in the mix. Uh, Boston has has a very good one as well. But Corey Crawford now in his last six starts, a four one and run one record, a buck eighty two goals, uh, buck eighty two goals against average, and a nine forty eight save percentage. Joe was among those reporters afterwards who gathered around his locker. You'll hear that question he referred to, and uh, in the beginning of the Q and A with Corey Crawford, he was asked about uh, how important getting his twenty six shot against a team that came in winners of seven in a row. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it really makes a difference. Uh, we played uh, played well enough to win the game, and um, you know we came out with it. So uh, that's all that matters is two points. What's working right for you guys tonight? I think we played really good defensively. Um, we kind of they got a few uh, few times uh, where we got stuck in our zone and. Uh, you know, we didn't panic. Uh, just kept them to the outside, and some big block shots by by Siebes there. A couple of kick saves, and uh, I mean, that was uh, that was a good win against a really good team. So, um, you know, we just got to build off that. I think to get three out of four points coming off a couple of losses in a row against the hottest team in the conference. What does that do for your guys' confidence? Yeah, that's nice. Uh, it's definitely a challenge uh, playing that team, but I, I think it's more more about what we're doing. And uh, I think overall we played really well um, everywhere around the ice. So um, I think guys have to be happy with that. Corey uh, Patrick's uh, scoring streak is now 13. You've played with him obviously a long time. Has yeah. he ever ceased to amaze you? Uh, well, uh, no, I guess not. But I mean, he just—it seems like he always finds a way to, to score a big goal and. And in a big game, so um, nothing, uh, nothing different there. And um, you know, it felt like it took forever him to, to get that shot off. He still found a way to get it through like four, four guys. But um, you know, I mean, he's he's obviously uh, one of the best players in the league and um, can change a game at any time. So um, it's nice that he's on our team. Screaming shoot! Yeah, I know you'd prefer to have strung together starts but it's not up to you but but despite not having that you've been on a roll what do you credit that to um i don't know i i think uh lenny's been playing really well and uh you know it's uh it's just kind of worked uh worked in our favor right now that um that he's playing so good and you know i get in there and play pretty well and um I don't know. It's uh, it's hard for me to answer. You know, it's not my choice. So, um, just uh, try and be ready when when we get the call. Corey's turn to hold down the goaltending end of things, and he did it very well on Tuesday night. So, that's the uh, consistent, the repeating narrative for the Blackhawks in terms of the offense. Uh, Patrick Kane extending his point streak now to 13 consecutive games as he scored the power play goal to make it a two nothing game. Yes, a power play goal after a 1-for-17 drought over the previous six games. That was their only power play opportunity, and it was big with them nursing that one nothing lead. So we're seeing some some baby steps here, um, and the penalty kill, at least in the two games against Dallas, looked really strong. Granted, the Stars aren't you know one of the top power plays in the league, and that's another head-scratcher for all the talent that they have on that team. They came in ranked 25th. Uh, they were... A 3-for-24 stretch. They went 2-for-3 on Tuesday night. I'm sorry, Monday night against Vegas. And then the Blackhawks shut them down. So the Blackhawks' penalty kill 
uh, six for six over the two games against Dallas, and now. 14 for the last 18. Uh, they've had their ups and downs stretches, but they're back over uh, 80% now. Um, and the other factor, I mentioned some of the numbers earlier about the offense kind of uh, slowing down over the past four games, but what's been really important is the defenders getting involved in the, in the offense as well, and they've put up some really good numbers over the course of the last seven games. Nine goals, 13 points over the last seven and Connor Murphy put the exclamation on that with the empty net goal tonight. Yeah, Connor, Mur- Connor Murphy's goal, maybe a little bit of an asterisk. It was probably his longest goal of his career, uh, going rink wide. But um, again, I think it, it goes back to the defense with, with a plan of attack, or at least having more of a, a structured approach over these past few games, hanging out in the high slot, making sure no one gets behind them. You saw a great game from Olimata today, and he generated a lot of chances up from the high slot. Uh, we realize that Brent Seabrook has been becoming more of an offensive player over the last few games. It seems like, uh, like you mentioned with Connor Murphy, him coming back from uh, the injured list or disabled list, whatever hockey calls it now, <laughs> um, you know, he's starting to find his rhythm again, too. And I think that just that all goes back to keeping the approach of hanging back, not trying to do too much, but, but trying to set up and start the plays because, you know, the offense knows if if the defense can start in the high slot and maybe get a lucky bouncer or get something towards the net, like everyone always says, just throw it towards the net, the skilled players will follow, and I think that's what's been happening. We'll hear, uh, we, we do have a couple of defensive questions, particularly about Brent Seabrick and our slap shots questions that we ask people to send to us on Twitter but prior to our, our taping here. That will come up after we hear from Connor Murphy. Troy Murray and I had a chance to visit with him live on the post-game show on WGN Radio afterwards, and our conversation began with me asking him... Um, the how he uh, perfects and, and perhaps practices a 180 foot shot from one end of the ice uh, to another into an empty net. Here's Connor Murphy after the Blackhawks three nothing win over Dallas. No, I leave that up to the ice guys to uh, to. It's kind of like a old pool table when they kind of they leave the trenches down the the sides of the rink to funnel the pucks toward the net. So uh, definitely lucky to have that one. That was what uh, about a one ninety, one eighty five, maybe uh, <laughs> yeah. shot. Was yeah. Not not all two hundred. No, almost. not not the whole way. But um, I'll save that for next game. Uh, real quick uh, before uh, Troy gets his turn, was we go back and forth here. I, does it mean any more? Does it give you an extra shot or jolt of adrenaline being the team? that cools off a team that came in so, you know, smoking hot such on a roll? Yeah, I think even just uh, besides the fact that they had the hot streak, I think uh, that last game we played in Dallas, we feel like we played good enough to have a chance to win. And um, unfortunately, shootouts it's, uh, can go either way. So uh, we, we were happy to be able to get another shot at them tonight. And um, they, they were coming off back-to-back, so we don't know if their legs were the same. But um, it's definitely nice against those divisional teams when you have a, a little more pride on the line to be able to beat them. Troy's upstairs, and he joins us as well. Connor, if you look at the games against Carolina and Tampa Bay, not the best starts in the world, kind of almost a feeling out process where you fell behind in those games and, and not able to you know, kind of regroup. Is this a good lesson for you guys to see how well you guys can play through 60 minutes when you guys are ready from the opening puck drop and getting uh, three out of a possible four points against a good team playing the right type of hockey? Yeah, it's uh, definitely important, those starts, and um, just seeing that's the team we need to be that when we're making plays and uh, exiting the zone, um, everyone on their toes flying up ice, and um, saw a lot of those times when uh, the puck transitioned onto our stick, uh, we were able to kind of tic-tac-toe out of the zone, and um, that led to us being able to play in the other end and, and wear that, them down a little more, so we're definitely a uh, got to be more of a skating team, and um, that's the strength uh, that we have with uh, a lot of our players. So if we can play to that, and we have such great goaltending, and uh, and if we can cut a little bit of the risky plays out, we'll be a great team. Not to take anything away from what you guys did tonight. They were coming in on a back-to-back, but I thought by and large, and this is something you strive for every night, being quicker than the other team to the puck that combined with what Corey did tonight was ended up being a pretty nice combination yeah mm-hmm. that's, that's a great point I think in the Tampa and, Ca- and Carolina game we definitely were late to a lot of those and uh, sometimes uh, it's cliche to talk about those reasons or why why you win or lose but um, it is true and in, in uh, those couple losses we were a little slow to them and then uh, these last couple I thought we were a lot quicker and more hungry to, to get on top of them 
Jeremy made a, a couple little subtle moves as, as far as how you defend in your own end of the ice, and I think you guys have really found some nice consistency within the the D pairings uh, that you have. You've been paired up with Mata, uh, Siebes has been with uh, Calvin Hahn, and, and Gus back with with Duncan Keith. Um, how comfortable are you guys uh, starting to feel together back there with the, the new pairings and some, a couple players that are new this year? Yeah, I think what's kind of cool is we've all had some experience in the league now and um, we know how to play with different guys and, and we all uh, are kind of similar, I don't know, with uh, the age range and the defending styles and um, I think that we, we're we smart enough to, to read off each other and and, uh, and talk and and uh, work through things as pairs together and and uh, it really feels like a unit um, of six where we're all we're all uh, uh, fighting for each other and staying on the same page and, and trying to um, work through games and, and grow as a team so um, it's fun and, and to have guys that have experience to learn off each other and um, to be able to be paired with a good player no matter who you're with uh, through our decor is, is definitely a plus. Once you finally came back from the injury initially a real solid five or six games and then you know it kicks up again you're, you're past this thing now right? <laughs> the injury <laughs> yeah, let's. I don't like talking about it, but uh, yeah, that's uh, definitely something um, that's uh, luckily in the past, and I'm um, still working hard uh, off the ice with our trainers and, and uh, in the gym with Paulie to, to make sure that you can prevent that stuff and to stay uh, stay in good shape. You only allowed 32 shots in this game, and then that's a a, a big bonus for, for you guys because sometimes in these uh, last few weeks here that the, the shot total against has been you know pretty high. The one thing that, that we were talking about before you came on the air, Connor, was those second and third opportunities. That's how you get the number up to over 40. That's how you get to 50, those second and third opportunities. These last couple games, I thought you guys have done a much better job in and around the net area, boxing out, battling uh, to help out your goaltenders. What has been the difference in and around that net area that has resulted in you guys being able to be a little bit better defensively in those areas? Yeah, one of the things uh, our pre-scouts the last couple games against uh, Dallas here has been that that's their style, that they want to play that, have your game where they get to the point and they have some uh, skilled D-men like Klingberg and Haskin in that um, are just going to uh, shake and bake the point a little bit and try to, to try to throw them in there. So uh, you know that, that eventually the puck's going to come there. So uh, as a defender, you kind of prepare mentally for that and know that you're going to be in a bit of a battle. If you can get your stick to chip it uh, by that next guy, uh, usually it, it allows our forwards to to skate up ice so it's something that uh i think just the pre-scout of the coaches being um good to let us know how important that's going to be for the game and uh you, you hope that that'll that'll uh help uh push our team game uh, no matter who we're playing against i will leave you with this and uh, i will leave it up to troy whether he wants to follow up on this hard-hitting question but uh murphy thanksgiving um what are you zeroing in on and uh with a three o'clock game the next day you kind of gotta gotta watch the intake or no? What yeah, you know? I, I, it was funny during the game today. They had a little like game think. I think a fan played against me, and they're listing off Thanksgiving foods. Right. I, I happened to listen to that, and I only got eight, so that was embarrassing. I uh, I'll hopefully be eating more than eight different kinds of food uh, in a couple of days. But um, yeah, I'll be uh, unfortunately with families uh, um, over in the East Coast. So I'll be with my girlfriend's family, which they're nice enough to let me come over and uh, steal. As long as there's enough. As yeah. long as there's enough. You, you, can you possibly follow that up, Troy, or no? I, I just want to ask one question about the goaltending because we, we can't leave uh, it unnoticed that uh, the goaltending has been spectacular this season. Yeah. Corey picks up the first shutout for the team this year. When you guys are going into a game, and I, and I know it, whether it's Robin or whether it's Corey, the confidence level for you guys must be extremely high knowing that you're going to get a quality start between those two guys. How much does that mean to you, that the team overall? It's big, and uh, just those two guys with the just that veteran presence, you know what you're going to get, and um, even you know if there's, I mean, such thing as a bad game, it doesn't seem like either of them really have one, but if there's ever a time where things are getting hectic in a game, uh, they don't get rattled, it's that, it's that veteran presence of being around and being through so much, and um, that, that definitely trickles into the lineup when you have guys that are leaders like that, uh, that can, can make that effect on the game that, um, that calms everyone else down, so it's huge, and you see any team around the league uh, who ends up winning toward the end of the year, it's uh, goaltending might be the biggest part so um, we're extremely lucky Slapshot questions tweet your questions to the guys for your questions to be read on the podcast it is not a Blackhawks crazy podcast without the rich baritones of one Ernie Scatton introducing our hashtag Slapshots questions from you folks via Twitter and uh, it was kind of slow 
it's kind of slow this week, uh, but uh, we're very popular with the female audience, Joe. So uh, uh, Heather had a couple of questions. Our friend Katrina did as well. I'm not sure if I can answer one of Katrina's because nobody knows to seem the answer to that. We can open it up to any potential listeners who do have an answer for our next podcast. But I'll start out with uh, with Heather. Uh, the first of her two questions, is it just me? This is what we were referencing earlier. Or are we seeing more from Seabrook since he sat those games? Uh, he has his moments, but I feel uh, he has more presence recently. And I, I agree. Uh, this is probably one of the better stretches of Brent Seabrook, or the best stretch this year of Brent Seabrook. And, and kind of like last year, it seemed like it took Brent a while to get going. It took coaches a while to figure out the best pairing with Brent. He was with Ole Mata for a while. I think this pairing with, with Calvin DeHaan, myself, has really worked out well for him. And, um, you know, having a, a feel for each other's responsibilities um, where one may have to make up for another uh, if those moments are necessary. So, yeah, I, th- I think Brent's stepped up his play recently. Is he ever going to is he ever going to reach you know the way he was during his three Stanley Cup runs? No, but uh, while the Blackhawks are where they are with his contract um, and and managing ice time and shifts, uh, I think it's it's going very well here with Calvin DeHaan lately, and uh, we'll see if that can continue on Tuesday night. Brent played uh, 18 minutes of ice time. Uh, his partner Calvin. Uh, ended up with 22 minutes, so um, probably a little bit more there uh, on the penalty kill. So I think it's working out real well in terms of Calvin Hahn being the best guy for Brent Seabrook to be paired with, and, and it's bringing, bringing out a little bit better out of uh, Brent's play. Uh, let's go to one of Katrina's questions here. I'll give this one to Joe. Uh, if the NHL were to uh, get rid of the shootout, what would you want in place to decide the game after regulation, would you be happy to end it with a tie? I wouldn't be happy to end it with a tie. Um, I think we're kind of a long ways away from them just completely eliminating the shootout. Uh, you will hear from Robin Leonard say eventually that he would like to see 10 minutes of three-on-three hockey, and I think if you do make make that change, you eliminate a lot of the shootouts because scoring is just going to happen with three-on-three hockey. That's why they made the change in the first place. Um, it's it's a more exciting version of hockey, and it's still more hockey than shootouts are. Uh, the one thing I also wish they would do, and I, I know this is a much greater change, is give three points if you win in regulation. And then if it goes to overtime, then you give two, and then you give one. The whole three points are given out if the game goes to overtime, but... Only two points are given out. If it doesn't, it doesn't make so much sense to me. I think it provides more value for when you win a game in regulation. You're able to close out that win. I think that'll separate the standings a little bit more, but it just kind of creates more drive with your team to to close out a game rather than, hey, if we can squeak by, we're guaranteed at least one point in in overtime, which you still would be, but it it just makes it so much of a bigger win when you take three points away from another team. I'm on board with you, and I'm on board with the idea, as you'll hear from Robin say as well, pushing this to 10 minutes uh, of uh, three-on-three time. It will take a toll, a greater toll, on your biggest stars being out there running and gunning. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, coaches who may want to avoid that or coaches with deeper teams will work to their advantage where you know they won't have to bring those same two sets of three guys out there for the majority of the overtime. But I'd definitely be in favor of doing that. No, let's keep this in mind. The, the realistic possibility of this is, is still a long shot. This is one one loud voice from Robin Leonard, and I don't know if they're necessarily going to listen to that over everything else. It would take it would take everyone being convinced of the same to uh, to stretch it to ten minutes. I love that idea. How many of the teams would be on board with that and vote in favor of that? I, I'm I'm not totally sure, but uh, great thoughts there. Let's go back to uh, Heather's other question. Do you see the goalie rotation continuing? Uh, what would one have to do to break ahead of the other? and consistently secure a couple of starts in a row. Now, Jeremy has alluded to the fact that they pretty much have a structure in place long-term. He won't reveal it. Now, whether it's just back and forth, back and forth, he does say they they occasionally will look into one goalie's history against a particular team. But I don't see this back and forth breaking up unless one of these two guys gets into a rut. 
And whether it's said or it's unspoken between the two guys that that's going to be the case, as long as you two guys are rolling, you'll you'll be alternating and get regular time. Um, I, I just kind of see this going back and forth, unless unless one of these guys stubs their toe. And I would eventually have to think, you know, one of these guys will have a bad one. Um, they'll go back to the other goalie next game. They'll give the guy who had a bad one a chance to rebound. And if there's another stinker, then you start then you start seeing uh, the other goalie uh, who may be playing better have a chance to put a, put a few together. I, I, is that the way you read it? Too? Yeah, pretty much. It's like you said. It's not so much of what can one goalie do. It's just a matter of who's going to blink first. And as long as these two goaltenders are going to be two of the top ten in the league moving forward, it's probably going to continue that way. Again, you ask either of them, you ask any goaltender, of course they'd love to have some consistency in in terms of their routine and just getting in the flow of things, but they are still performing at one of the highest levels in the NHL right now. So it'd be interesting to see where Jeremy Colleton and his coaching staff have this structure and this future plan, Um, but I, I really don't think that too much goes into it. I don't think they want to overthink things just because it's gone so well so far. All right. Uh, well, Katrina had one more question, which I have no idea. I've asked around, too. I even asked Troy, what is with the bird calls at the United Center? I haven't heard them in any other stadiums. This is just a Chicago thing. I haven't heard them at any place other than Blackhawks games. It's happened a lot less frequently in recent years. I think I remember them going back to Chicago Stadium. But there seems to be this mystery as to what it's about, whether there's lulls in action. or or That's my best guess um, for, you know, perhaps bird chirps for the team to wake up or something or the game to wake up but i have i have no definitive answer on that i've heard it for years as well i've asked around uh everyone's kind of scratching their head if anyone does have a true answer who's listening to the podcast wants to tweet us uh i'm at at bowden tweets oh and we never established your twitter joe uh at joe is it oh yeah at joe underscore brand one just at joe brand is still taken by somebody who hasn't used Twitter okay. in about six years. I keep trying to contact the Twitter police, but no one will give me any answers. So it's at Joe underscore brand one. Yeah. Okay. You had to think about that for a minute. It's your Twitter. So anyway, at Joe underscore brand one or at Bowden tweets. Uh, let me know if you guys have, have uh, any ideas on that. So thank you, Heather and Katrina, for your questions. Come on. We need a little bit more variety. Nothing against the gals, but where are you guys? So when we come back with our next podcast next week, I uh, hope to get a few more questions as well. Not that we didn't like Heather's and uh, Katrina's. So now uh, the much-awaited Robin Leonard. Um, ten minutes with reporters on Monday, after Monday's practice, responding to questions to his Sunday tweet following Saturday's game in which his all-time shootout record fell to 8-22. and his shootout save percentage dropped to 521 after Pavelski and Sagan beat him on both opportunities after a magnificent performance otherwise. But as we said, Robin has admitted publicly he's not good at shootouts. I don't know how good that is psychologically for an athlete, but uh, at least he knows his weakness, and there is no doubt he will continue working on trying to improve that. But apparently upon seeing what was a headline for a, a Twitter headline for a tweeted-out link to an article about Saturday's night's games, uh, uh, Mark Lazarus, who has his share of sarcasm in both his pieces and his tweets, um, the tweet headline took a negative tone as to what fans are saying in exasperation following a loss like that on the hashtag Blackhawks, the knee-jerkers, the, uh, the tweepheads who uh, you know uh, can fail to see the big picture. They just need to react immediately to what is right in front of them. So that was kind of the basis of Mark's headline, sarcastically. And I don't know if Robin, yeah, I guess he didn't take that the right way or see that. He just saw a bunch of negative on what he perceives as a team that's continuing to make positive steps. So he tweeted out, I want to hear suggestions on, uh, this is on uh, late Sunday afternoon, on any media in particular as to how I might be able to improve my shootout performances. I want to hear from the experts. So 
he did receive a ton of responses from fans, very supportive, and you'll hear him say this because Blackhawk fans are in love with him. They're not dogging him yet on the shootout record. So this is his give and take with reporters. That lasted 10 minutes. I kind of cut down a couple of the questions um, to kind of improve the flow. I also edited a point where he said um, uh, you feel dumped on, to be uh, to paraphrase. So... In essence, what you're going to hear is Robin on his frustrations uh, with his struggles on shootouts after games that he has performed typical of Saturday night, just lights out for 65 minutes, why he struggles in those situations as opposed to regular game action, the bigger problem he has with the media's emphasis on that, uh, kind of perhaps touching a nerve with him as he tries to emphasize uh, the forward steps that the team has taken. Uh, he does discuss the positive feelings that he has felt from Blackhawks fans. And uh, he also was asked about the, the prospect of and his reaction to uh, Jeremy Carlton perhaps approaching him with being replaced for a shootout only after playing the entire game with Corey Crawford, who's been much better historically in shutouts. His reaction if he would be approached uh, with that um, possibility by the head coach. Uh, he also here discusses, as Joe and I just did in the slap, uh, hashtag Slapshots questions, his alternative to the shootout after five minutes to avoid games becoming what he calls a one-on-one skills competition. But he starts this thing out when he was initially asked whether when he tweeted out that request, whether it was uh, suggestions in fun or if he was serious. It's a bit of both. Uh, it's affected me quite a bit, you know. Um, happened a lot in Buffalo. And... Uh, People have no clue, you know. They they really don't. Uh, you know, it happened so many times in Buffalo. You have one one two one 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 or two two game. You know, 40, 40 50 saves, and you just get the just get ripped on, and it's fine. You know, it's part of the game. But uh, it's one thing to get ripped on when you when you don't play good. Uh, then you can accept it. But uh, you know, all these smart people all the time you know think they know what they're talking about it's just uh, it's, it's kind of annoying so just uh, see what the, all these smart people have to say a lot of players seem to kind of shelter themselves from that you, you seem to accept it early well they, they may, maybe that's a perception you don't really get to shelter yourself in this day and age from it uh, you know most of us are active on social media most of us sees what you guys are saying or you know it's, it's a constant buzz uh, I mean can shield yourself to a point from it and that's fine i don't really care about it i just think it's annoying you know because uh, uh i've been in a place and people can agree or not it's just i've been a place over my career you know been on teams that's been struggling i mean i've been part of those teams that's struggling i'm not saying anything else but you know when you try to perform and try to you know make a living for your family and stuff and uh you put up good performances a good numbers and i mean I think my career save percentage is top 10 throughout league history. Uh, it's how it is, and part of it is shootouts. I know it's a big f- factor to it. I, I mean, I went through stretches in Buffalo where I was 96 to 98 percent over three, four, five, six games, and we didn't win, and maybe two, two losses in a shootout, and all of a sudden I was the worst wor- person in the world because of the shootout. It's not because it's such a fan thing, you know. A good shootout goalie can have terrible numbers and not be very good, but he wins a shootout and it's a hero of the world. It's it's how it is. It's a it's the fan game and it's it's frustrating because you know I'm just not good at it. People think, uh, as I said on the tweet, you know, people think oh, I was mental. Mental? Are you kidding me? You think I'm nervous? You, th- you think think I care? You know, I try to save the puck like anything else. It's a PK and a. One one game, last two minutes. I make the saves then. It's uh, shootout goals against every weakness I have, and takes away from every strength that I have. That's simple. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit fun in games. You know, I honestly see what the the guys in the Twitter will have to say. Maybe there's some someone out there. I actually got some good ones. It was uh, a Harvard study sent to me yesterday on shootouts. I looked. That was interesting. Uh, so, no, it was, uh, you know, just kind of livening it up a little bit. But it's incredibly annoying. You know, just just look uh, what you guys, you know, we went head-to-head against one of the best teams in the league last game. What are they, 10-1? and one? Last 11 games? Pavelski, Corey Perry, Ben Sagan, 
Klingberg, Bishop, Kudubin, all these guys. We lose that game, and post the headlines, you know, Bibrinket can't buy a goal, Robin can't stop a shootout, we can't get a call. I mean, negativity is overwhelming. I think we're, you know, we've been playing a little bit up and down, but we're, we're getting better, and, you know, we're in the race. And we played a great game against one of the better teams. We lost in the lottery. And then it turns all negative. It's what it is. I just we believe in each other in here, and uh, just wanted to see what all the good guys have to say. I'm not talking about the fans. Fans can have whatever opinion they want. They pay to come and watch. They can say whatever they want. It's unfortunate sometimes that how the game works. I mean, it's just how it is. You know, I, I'm also like I'm not a flashy goalie. I don't make the super saves. I don't flash my glove. I don't flash my blocker. And you know. Uh, it's the same with Corey, quite honest, you know. Corey plays a very structured, simple, very well struck good game, you know. As I said, I think he's been one of the most underrated goalies in the league for about 10 years. But it's, again, you know, goalies that are not very good and flashes, the, flashes their saves all the time and are out of position, you know, they get a lot of love. It's the same thing with a shootout. If the, if the coaches came up to you and Corey ahead of time and said, would you, go, would you be open to a swap? It would, would you be open to that, or is this something you want to try fixing on your own? <clears throat> no, I, I mean, I, I just, I just want to win, man. Just wanted to, like, I came here to, I came here to help this team win. If I'm on the bench or if I'm on the on the ice, I just want us to make the playoffs. That's why I signed here. Um, so if the if the coach feel that, he should definitely go for it. Uh, I would definitely not be mad. Uh, all for the team, man, and. I wouldn't take it personal because I know I'm a good I know I'm a good hockey goalie. It's nothing to do with a shootout. It's nothing to do with the breakaways. It's just a total different game. My strength is reading the play. My strength is uh, reading what's going to happen and and I can determine I need to be set for a shot or I'm going to be set for a pass or I'm going to be set for uh, set for a deke. That's what my uh, good abilities are in my opinion I'm always ready to, people don't beat me clean on shots people don't I my my clear shot save percentage over my career is I think up there with some of the best um, so my reading the game is is I think my my best my best ability and in a shootout I'm in in between the whole time I can't you know you can't determine if he's going to shoot or if he's going to deke because they come in in slow motion and they can do both. And then I am 50-50 instead of set doing one thing. Same with the breakaway. Breakaway comes in. I can know, I know by the hash marks if he's shooting or if he's deking. You can see the back pressure. You can see how fast he's coming. You can see how he has his stick. And you, you know what's going to happen. Can't in a shootout. They come in from a side angle and they come in slow and they break and they stop and they, you know. I can't, I can't read it, and so it takes away the best part of me as a goalie, and that's just how it is. So, if someone else has to go in there and do it, go ahead. I don't. Again, it's only about winning. Here's some of the responses I saw to your injury. You got a, you got a lot of love from Blackhawks fans here. Yeah, no, Blackhawks fans are awesome. The Blackhawks fans are awesome. Obviously, the Islanders fans. They, we, we have a little bit of a special bond. It's not hockey related. Uh, the bond I have with the Islanders fans is, in my opinion, nothing to do with hockey. Uh, they they support me from day one without even knowing me. Uh, so that's more of a human connection. That's that's why it's always been strong. But the one that I've started to build here in Chicago has been amazing too. Uh, they they're great. So really happy with those with with the, how I get treated here by the Blackhawk fans. Do you think they no, I don't think they should. Maybe I don't think they should eliminate it. I think ten, ten minutes, uh, three on three would be nice because I think three on threes is a lot more entertaining than uh, than a shootout. I mean, the fans in a three on three is nuts every time, and there's always good chances. And again, we're playing hockey. We're letting hockey determine the faith of it. And you know what? There's a lot of breakaways in three on three. So you, I mean, you still get an element to it. But uh, who am I to judge? Uh, I mean. It's, it's uh, let the big boys decide on that one. Always, always an interesting listen, Robin Leonard there. And uh, I totally get what he's saying. Uh, he Perhaps a bit sensitive to understanding. I, 
I don't think I don't think there's any particular haters in the media uh, in, in Blackhawks coverage. Um, there aren't any hatchet men on the beat. I think Robin has experienced that before, particularly in Buffalo with one or two guys, and he may be a little bit sensitive to that, if I may say that. But um, I, I, I totally get what he is saying. I, I appreciate the fact that. It's a bad part of his game. The way he explained it is certainly understandable. Uh, but the bottom line is, when it comes to facts and reporting, that that's part of covering the beat. If a guy is slumping or has a drought, not scoring in so many games, that has to be reported. If the power play is great all of a sudden, or if it's bad for a stretch, that has to be reported, just as Robin's record in shootouts has to be reported, along with the great stuff that he does in the game otherwise and I think by and large that's what's that's I I think he's been treated pretty fairly here by everything I happen to read and listen to on the Blackhawks beat yeah I think so too and you mentioned earlier with Lazarus having his his tone to be sarcastic and he, he was bringing up the fact that fans sometimes jump off the ledge when when things go wrong but I don't feel like all of this relevance of Robin Leonard not having the numbers he'd like to have in a shootout would be so big if if he didn't admit it in the first place. I mean, it, this all happened before this article came out, and then again, you go to the article; it's it, it tells facts. It's not there to just announce the negatives of the team. It was actually the exact opposite. It was it was still talking or promoting the the positives of Robin Leonard and that and and Alex Debrinket still being productive offensively despite the goals possibly not being there. Uh, but I, I just think Robin Leonard just has so much confidence in everything that he says. And I I don't I don't blame him for taking this approach because he's I think he's trying to back up his team first. Yeah. As, as a as a guy who's becoming a louder and louder voice in that room, um, he may be critical at times. He may be very blunt and honest in some of his assessments, but I think he's also trying to make sure everyone knows he's behind his guys and wants to do his best job of galvanizing the team as possible. And he's kind of made that point from the first day he spoke in the dressing room. He Right away, he said, I came here because I thought this team can win, and I still believe in that team. He's always kind of been the voice of reason this season. I didn't mean to rhyme there. Um, but, but, Hashtag? <laughs> uh, but, but it's just, that's him. That's Robin Leonard. He's, he's going to speak what's on its mind. And he's right. Okay, maybe I don't do that well in shootouts. What can I do? Fans and media and, and Twitter world, what can I do? You know, you can't blame a guy for taking that approach. It's something different. It really is. And, and the other thing is, who cares if he's not that good in a shootout? It's not really going to keep him from having a job. Maybe it will keep him from not performing or not rather being in net for the shootout. That's a Jeremy Colleton decision or whoever, whoever his head coach is if he moves on to another team in, in the future. But that's... It's not. No one's going to not sign him because oh, he's not that good in the shootout. Yeah. Uh, but truth be told, those extra points in shootouts <laughs> do, do end up getting pretty important at the end of the season. And for what it's worth, Corey Crawford. Uh, some reporters lingered a little bit longer to follow up with a couple of things on Corey Crawford beyond what you heard earlier in the podcast. Here, he was asked about the prospect of replacing. Absolutely cold, replacing Robin Leonard for just a shootout. And he kind of downplayed that, saying Robin is a great goaltender. Uh, you know, he's going to figure this thing out. You know, this isn't going to be the case on every particular shootout. So Corey Crawford, I think, wants to step away from that unless it becomes a situation where he is seriously approached. And maybe even if that's the case, he'll, he'll be a little bit shy about wanting to take that because he probably puts himself in Robin's shoes that if I were busting my you-know-what for 65 minutes and playing great, all of a sudden being yanked for a guy who's been absolutely cold. So I can understand uh, that aspect of it as well. By the way, Joe was the last person to speak with Dylan Strom in the pre, uh, after the morning skate. You actually talked to him a little bit, and I, you were as shocked as anybody uh, when, when all of a sudden in warm-ups they announced that he's out due to concussion protocol. You didn't, you didn't do anything to him. 
right? I, I did not. The, the worst thing I probably did was end up asking about Alex Dabrinkit's dog, but but he pretty much started talking about Alex Dabrinkit's dog, and then it just turned into how Dylan Strom sometimes watches. Is it Ralph? Is the dog's name Ralph? Yeah. Sometimes he watches Ralph, and Ralph's a cute, cuddly dog. That's, that's, the, that's the most off-topic we got uh, between me and Dylan Strom. I, I did not touch him, though, at all. I did not bunk him on the head or anything like that. So, Well, and the thing was, you asked him something about Dabrinkit's production, and he was actually spot on, which I wasn't aware of. He brought up the fact that Alex, through 23 games last year, he has one more point this year than he did in twenty through twenty three games a year ago, and his plus. He also thinks said, "Oh, I think his plus minus is a lot better." I went and looked it up. Through twenty three games a year ago, Alex was a minus one, and now he's a plus nine going into Tuesday night's game. So he was making sense with everything he was saying. I don't know if they they do a uh, you know uh, they keep up uh, game by game on their yearly statistics or what but he was spot on with what he said uh finally uh you know scott and i used to talk a lot of food um I heard about that on our podcast so i don't know if we'll necessarily do that but since thanksgiving is coming up what are you locking in on at the thanksgiving at the thanksgiving dinner table at least share that with us because um I don't. I don't think you you attack the second intermission spread uh, with as much passion as a Scott King does. So so let's go to the Thanksgiving meal. What's uh, what's your go to? Well, first of all, it's what's your seconds and third helpings. It's quite it's quite a high bar to uh, reach the <laughs> accolade where Steve, uh, Scott King was for the uh, spread here. Uh, this is something we talked about last year. My mom's White Castle stuffing. It's my favorite thing at the Thanksgiving dinner table because when you think about stuffing, what is it? It's bread, it's sausage, it's onions, it's celery. Uh, okay, so you take, you get some White Castle sliders, no cheese, can't have cheese. You shred them apart, you put them in the crock pot, put a little celery, a little seasoning, let it sit. It's some fantastic stuffing. Yeah, and I used to hate stuffing when I was a kid. And as I got older, I loved it, and it's like my favorite thing uh, as part of the Thanksgiving meal. And I have had the White Castle combo stuffing once, and it, it, it is it is quite good. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hope you're able to enjoy family, enjoy feasts, be thankful for all the things uh, you should be thankful for. I want to thank Scott King for a good run here on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. I want to thank Joe for jumping aboard here. Um, one down, however many to go. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Thankful to be here. All right. And uh, we want to thank FanList, as always. Who knows? Maybe White Castle will become a sponsor with FanList after plugging the stuffing there. Uh, thanks, as always, to pass along uh, to Ernie Scatton for helping out, uh, making us sound all real professional. Curtis Koch, our producer, for gluing all these parts together to make it one full podcast. Uh, thanks and happy Thanksgiving to him. Thanks also to the cleaning lady. If you were listening really closely during one of our segments here, she just barges in. She's got to take care of the garbage. But again, the game ended uh, two hours ago, and uh, we're we're uh, quickly approaching midnight here at the United Center, and they want to get the heck out of here. So uh, I can't blame them. Hope you didn't mind the uh, the garbage collecting gnat sound in the background and a little bit of the uh, loudspeaker on her radio. But thanks to all of you for listening once again. Our next uh, Blackhawks Crazy podcast will come your way next Tuesday following the Monday game against the St. Louis Blues, the Blackhawks' first look at the defending Stanley Cup champs when they come to the United Center. So look for that next Tuesday morning in between the back-to-back games against the Colorado Avalanche Friday afternoon at the United Center, then Saturday night out in Denver. So again, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next Tuesday morning. And again, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter. That was great!